Well, we are uh, in the study of the book of Philippians, and I'd like to begin our time here with an everyday person summary of chapters one and two. Uh, I've just noticed this morning we've got a lot of people who are visiting with us, newer from us, haven't been here through the series, so this will help you here. Let me give you just an everyday person summary of Philippians. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says basically this, hey, Philippians, I love you guys. Okay, oh, thank you. He's just, um, he's just like, guys, I love you uh, with what's going on. Hey, we're in this together. You've got my back. I've got your back. This is just a glorious thing. And, and I love you guys. And also, let me bring you up to date on some things that's happening with me. Life here in jail in Rome, um, it's been tough. It's been tough. It has not been easy. But I will tell you this, the gospel is advancing, and it's because the gospel is advancing, I am so cranked up about what God is doing. After all, Philippians, for to me to live is Christ. Oh, and church, you likewise. Only worthily of the gospel you must all be living. Be all about that one thing. Uh, One mind on that one thing. Oh, and uh, if you want to know what the model of the one mind on the one thing is, uh, chapter 2, look to Christ, like Jesus. You know, like Jesus lived, uh, I mean, he was the gospel, but he lived the gospel. Like that, you do that. That's Philippians chapter 1 and 2. Oh, yeah, and work out your own salvation like that. Because we just don't want to leave it in theory land. We want to leave it in, live it out land. Uh, let me kind of summarize it this way. Uh, for me, and I think for others, as I've just had some comments back, this has been, uh, these last, this last month, six weeks, has been a delightful, heavy-duty meal together. Um, Philippians just has uh, some meat that has been brought to the table. And... Um, Sometimes you get to the point and you go, so you're telling me, Doug, out of the scriptures that it says I'm supposed to live like Paul? I'm supposed to live like Christ? I don't know if you realize I'm not an apostle. I'm not Paul. And I'm not Christ. We definitely know that. And frankly, I'm kind of like delivering this call. This is like, is this doable? And you can move into the place where there's almost some hopelessness. Can you give me some hope? That's what today's about. Let me term it this way. It's like we've just been at Ruth's Chris's. Yeah. And we've been having this glorious God meal. Okay, maybe pushing that border a little bit with Ruth's Chris's. But this glorious meal over the last weeks. And then it's time for dessert. Hey, dessert. Next Sunday, Philippians chapter 3, I kid you not, literally my favorite chapter in the Bible. Dessert's coming. So that means this week, it's kind of one of these different Sundays where you sit back after the meal and you go, oh, oh, let's just talk for a little bit about what we've been chewing on because uh, we need to make some room for dessert. And I don't know if I can quite take it right at the moment. So loosen the belt buckle, kick back a little bit. Today's going to be different. Um, I want to make sure we get some hope right now. 
that the high calling that God has on your and my life and us as a church, that we can look at this and go, hey, friends, this is doable. This is doable. That's where we're going today. So I would like to introduce you to two people today. And first, I would like to introduce you to Mr. Typical. Uh, Mr. Typical, let me tell you about him. Mr. Typical grew up in a nothing special world. His hometown had a history of being more, frankly, primitive than posh. Uh, Prior to his birth, uh, a roadway actually was kind of widened to his city. In other words, his city became an actual dot on the map about the time he was born. Uh, Put it this way. When he was born, they got a McDonald's in his town. Okay? And that's kind of what happened. He was half Jewish. He was half Greek. His father was a Greek descendant. No sign of being a Christian. Likely, uh, Mr. Typical never went to church with his dad. His mom was a, a Jew. And she was a Jew who had converted to Christianity. Now, let's put both of those two together. A Gentile dad married a Jewish woman. There was tension in that wedding. Uh, a, A Jewish woman that married a Gentile man. There was capital T tension in that wedding. And a Jewish woman that converted to Christ and Christianity. Mr. Typical grew up in not your typical home. In fact, his home was a little bit of the island of misfits, as viewed by some. It was quite possible that Mr. Typical uh, experienced the death of his father before before he reached the age of 20. He was educated in a rural, suburban public school system, if you will, kind of like Avon Danville, Plainfield Brownsburg, kind of like that kind of a place. He never was voted most likely to succeed, and he wasn't voted the best athlete in his high school. If he was going to be voted for something, he was probably being voted for the top 10 of who are you. Uh, You see, Mr. Typical was a timid guy. In fact, it was something he kind of struggled with all his life. He wasn't looking for the limelight. Uh, He was a nice kid. He was the value-raised kid. He was the kid that you wanted your daughter to date. Uh, He didn't go to college. He uh, didn't go to specialty trade school. Uh, But he did come to Christ. He came to Christ. And he either came to Christ through the impact of what very possibly some most likely think was through the impact of a single mom and and his grandmother. Or he kind of drove the stake in the ground for Christ at a church planting evangelistic meeting that took place in his town. Point is, is there's nothing grandiose about Mr. Typical here. Can you relate to him? I can. Maybe in more ways than you know. He's just a typical guy. Could a typical guy like that have impact for Christ? Let me introduce you to Mr. Everyday. Uh, Mr. Everyday, the only things that we really know about him was he came from a city that would vacillated between being a place of some kind of level of influence and basically a, a small settlement of nothingness. 
uh, also uh, Mr. Everyday was about Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all we know. Nothing about his family, nothing about his personal background, nothing about his conversion to Christ. Uh, We see no sign of his family having money. We see no sign of his family being tied into the system or having special uh, opportunities. He wasn't a big wig or his family wasn't. He was like 99% of everybody on the planet. He was like us, normal folk, two people. Mr. Typical and Mr. Everyday. Could guys like this live only worthily of the gospel and have an impact for Christ? Well, uh, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Here's one of the most amazing things we find out about these two guys. Both of these guys are in the Bible, okay? But here's the capital A amazing part of it. Both of them are in the Bible for a good reason as opposed to being losers, okay? Because there are some people in the Bible who it's like, I really don't want to be that guy in that place. These are two guys that we're just going to spend some time with. We're going to not be digging really, really deep into the text and drawing out all the details of things, but we're just going to be kind of doing a flyover. This is after the meal. Dessert's coming next Sunday. This is a time for us to pause and to consider. It's a different kind of a Sunday. Are you in Philippians chapter 2? Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Let me introduce you to the first guy. His name is Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a rare, genuine, proven servant of Christ. Let's just take a look at this guy. Philippians chapter 2, let's pick up in verse 19. I need to get my Bible there. Here we go. Paul is writing. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So in other words, Timothy is with Paul in Rome, okay? And Paul is in jail in Rome. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. Look at this. For I have no one like him. Uh, Timothy was a rare guy. Uh, You got to keep this in mind. This is the apostle Paul saying this. This isn't Doug saying this. This isn't just Joe Blow saying this. This is the apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is going, listen, I'm telling you, I've got no one like this guy. That is a major good housekeeping seal of approval, right? And that's what they're saying about him. I mean, that is just amazing. Actually, the Greek form of this word, it's a compound word that literally can mean one-souled. We're a one-soul. When you put the two of us together, there's a one soul going on here. Uh, Maybe we could put it this way. He's like a soul brother. (laughs) We're soul brothers. Uh, Here's this. Do you get the idea already that Paul is really grateful for this guy? And Timothy likely grew up with a, for a good part of his life, likely grew up with a single mom in a town with a McDonald's. And here's Paul saying this. I've got no one like this guy. This guy is rare. 
I just love that. That just gives me hope. Does it you? One sold. Timothy, by this time, has been with Paul about 10 years. 10 years of being in the shadow. Never once, never once do we see Timothy ever griping about being a guy in the shadow. He just wants to serve Christ. That's it. It's all about the fame of the name of Jesus. He's a rare dude. Verse 20, for I have no one like him. Why? Here we go. The second thing, because he's genuine. Who, will, who is genuinely concerned for your welfare? Verse 21, they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. He's say, stating that as a contrast. What's so unique? What's so rare about Timothy? Here's the deal. In a fake-filled world, even back then, Timothy genuinely cares for other people. I mean, genuinely. Timothy does not look at people like a car. They're there to get you somewhere. Timothy looks at people as genuine opportunities to be able to be concerned about them and to share the love of Christ with them. That's it, period. It's genuine. It's for real. Isn't it amazing to be around someone that's genuine? You don't wonder if they're game in you. You don't wonder if they're conniving you, trying to set you up for something. They're just genuine. Oh, how refreshing. There's no one like this guy. He's a rare guy. Part of that is because he's genuine. Verse 22, as you can tell, we're kind of booking through this today. Verse 22, proven. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him to you soon. I see how it will go with me and I trust in the Lord shortly. I myself will come also. I'm just today for where I'm going today. I'm not getting into the details of all the shifting and the movement and what's going on with the events of time. I just want us to know this thirdly about Timothy. He's a proven guy. He was committed to Jesus Christ and he actually lived it out before others consistently over time. This guy was in the game. Timothy, a servant? Yeah, I can prove it. Look at that, and look at that, and look at that, and look at that. That's Timothy. Kid that grew up in a misfit home, in a town with a McDonald's. And God used him all over the world. And in fact, some 2,000 years later, He's a man who's lived his life in such a way that we can draw encouragement out of it. Let's be like Timothy. No, 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 wait. Let's live like Timothy because Timothy loved Christ. Now let's go to number two. Mr. Everyday Epaphroditus. Don't you wish you had that name? Yeah, I'm, I'm changing my name. Epaphroditus. Mr. Everyday Epaphroditus, 
He was a hard-working, risk-taking, beloved servant. Look in the text, verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Look at these descriptions by Paul. Again, the apostle Paul. He's my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Oh, I wish I could just spend the time digging into you what he's really referring to there and some of the things that come out of the words that are there. But I'm just trying to keep it on a high level today to encourage us with this. Uh, Epaphroditus was a hard worker for Christ. I mean, he worked for Christ. Uh, by the way, here at Harvest, we have worship, walk, and what? And work. That was Epaphroditus. We don't know hardly anything about this guy. I don't even know if he had a McDonald's in his town. But we do know this, Paul viewed him as someone who is a brother and a worker and a soldier. It's like, let's charge that hill. And there's Epaphroditus right with Paul. He was like Jonathan to David. How cool is that? Oh, and also, let's keep reading, and your messenger and minister to my need. That was risky. We'll come back to that in just a second. Verse 26, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Man, this this guy, Paul, loved this guy. Look at verse 30. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. By the way, that last little statement was not smack talk by Paul to the Philippians. He was basically just saying, hey, he's here to be able to do some things you're just not able to do because we're 800 miles apart. Uh, Basically, Epaphroditus was a risk taker. What do I mean by that? Let me fill you in on a couple things. Number one, the fact that he was a messenger going out to Paul was in and of itself an incredibly risky endeavor. Uh, Philippi and Rome were 800 miles apart. Uh, No trains, uh, no planes, no automobiles. That sounds like a movie. Uh, You know, and so none of that that was there at the time. 800 miles apart. And just making that journey in and of itself was an endeavor. Now, on top of the endeavor was when he was leaving from Philippi, part of what was going on is he's coming out to Paul in Rome. Why? Uh, One, to communicate what's going on, but you also have to understand how things worked in the jail system in that day. In that day, they did not have cafeterias and such in the jail system. I'm not saying that that's great and it's like posh and all that. I am just saying this. They didn't have any of that then. Actually, how they were cared for was family or friends or people bring food to them in jail and cared for their needs. The needs were not taken care of by the jail system. So part of what was going on here is Epaphroditus was bringing things from Philippi as a way to help keep Paul alive and going. They were caring for him as how it was set up in that day. It was much like David with bringing the food out to his brothers at the army. There were no mess halls. It was all supplied by family. So here he is taking this long trip, which meant money supplies things with him. And just, in that day, it was a very risky endeavor to do that. Secondly, when he got there, just being there was a risky endeavor in and of itself. I mean, he is going to a place that basically was a rat-infested, disease-infested environment. It was dirt floors, dirt walls. This was literally a hole-in-the-wall kind of a place. And so him being there was actually risking his own health. 
And you can see in the text that talked about his health, he literally almost died. In fact, when you go through the text, you get a, the feel for the emphasis that Paul is putting on the various words that he's using. I, I, I'd walk away from it. And I think what was taking place is literally Epaphroditus caught something that was going to take him down. He was going to die, but God interceded and spared his life. I don't think this is one of these things he got a really bad fever and, you know, God was good and spared him. I think this is one of those things where he had something and he was literally uh, headed towards his deathbed and God interceded and spared his very life. That's taking a risk. That's taking a big risk. Lastly, he was also taking a risk because of the legal system of the day. Paul, at the time, they're holding him to be able to try him and get through all the process of it. But had everything gone south legally with Paul and his system, it very well could be that not only would they have taken Paul, but they also would have taken whoever else was there helping, i.e. Jesus in Garden of Gethsemane when they came to get him and all the disciples split. Why? Because they were afraid they were going to be taken as well. I'm just going to tell you, Epaphroditus, this was one unknown dude that was risking a lot. Why would he do this? Why would he do that? Why would anyone do that? You can only come to the conclusion, either it was for wrong motives or it was because he really loved the gospel. He really loved Christ. So risking his life, whatever, he was okay with that. That's Mr. Everyday, hardworking, risk-taking. And lastly here, verse 28 29, he was beloved. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, Uh, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. Uh, They loved him, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Uh, It's clear that the Philippians loved this guy. It's clear that Paul loved this guy. This is just a normal guy, and God's using him. How encouraging. How encouraging. These two were men, normal men, that were all about chapter 1 verse 27 only worthily of the gospel of the christ you must all be living that's what they were about and god took care of the rest one thing one mind on the one thing normal guys feeling normal i hope so Because God loves using normal people. Be encouraged. God can use you. Do you want to be used by God? I'm not trying to be irritating. I'm trying to be genuinely sincere. Remember, this is buckle undone, kind of chilled back, talking about the meal. Do you want to follow in the footsteps like these guys? Seriously. It's so easy in our culture to play a game. And I would just like to straight talk out of love for a minute here. You could put picture either way. 
Miss Typical, Miss Everyday, Mr. Typical, Mr. Everyday. Do you want to be a rare, genuine, proven person for Christ? I mean, really. Do you want to be a hard-working, risk-taking, beloved person for Christ? Really. I'm not questioning. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just asking the questions today. We're going to take a couple minutes of silence here in just a little bit. That's kind of awkward. That's all right. Sometimes we just need some silence. One of the things for me, just straight up transparent as a pastor in preaching, is sometimes you preach and you kind of bend in your seat and you, you, you leave and you're like well-intentioned and yet it's like, and then you just don't take the time to think it through. So we're just going to take a couple here and think it through. Here's what I'd like for us to do. Look at chapter 1 and verse 21. I want us to consider a challenge here. Am I a 121 person or a 221 person? Look at chapter 1, verse 21. We've covered this, but I purposely covered it a little bit lightly for today. Chapter 1, verse 21. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. The gravity of that statement is massive. I mean, Paul is in essence saying, the the very opportunity for me to live, it's Christ. If he gives me the rest of today, it's Christ. If he gives me a Monday, it's Christ. If he gives me next week, it's Christ. For me to live is Christ, period. Exclamation point. That is a massive statement. The very existence of life here. The gospel is ultimately all about Jesus Christ. That's how Christ lived it. All the way to the cross. His very life was about the call. This is huge. We have a tendency, I have a tendency, to water it down, to bring it down, to make it light, to make it into potato chips, rather than the real steak that it's intended to be. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. They all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. Friends, this is the choice. It's that simple. Am I a 121 person or am I a 221 person? And please understand this. I am not saying be perfect. It's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about what's the trend? Is your life trending as a 121 person or is your life trending, frankly, as a 221 person? Is it really about Christ? Or is it really just all about you?
I'd like for us to just take a couple minutes and ponder it. Where are you at? What's your life been showing? Hey, if you look and you were to really before the Lord and go, man, God, you've been seeing growth in my life and I'm trending a 121 kind of a reality. Just take this out and just thank him for that. Do you realize that is God working in you? If you're looking and you go, man, you know what, frankly, if I were just be straight up and God knows it anyway, I've been trending as a 221 person. I just want to call you, encourage you. Is that really where you want to be going? You just take this time. And if you've got some things that you just need to confess before the Lord and repent of and get right with him, just in the silence of these next couple minutes, would you just do that now? Because life isn't a game. Life is an opportunity. What are you choosing? Let's just take some couple minutes here and think. We received just some really good instruction in God's word. And yet for most of my life, up through my mid-twenties, wanting to be a 121 kind of guy, I always thought the answer was pray more and read the Bible more. And floof, it'll all just come together. I want to tell you, I'm a person that's all about praying more. And I'm a person that's all about God's word more. But I want to leave you with four things that have come from our text in Philippians so far. Because if you're the kind of person that says, I really dug, I'm serious before God, I want to be a 121 kind of person. For to me, to live is Christ. Let me give you four directions on how to help here. We've seen, these are things we've talked about already. But number one, it's a person who hears the call. So often today, this is how the gospel is proclaimed. Jesus is your golden ticket. Jesus is your golden ticket to heaven. Jesus is your golden ticket to health. Jesus is your golden ticket to prosperity. Just believe in Jesus and everything will be good. Or it's like this. Uh, uh, Jesus just Jesus is your boyfriend. You know, Jesus is just there to help you become happy and just be able to be all that you can be. And it's taken in such a humanistic kind of a view. It's like God is here to be all about me. I just want to tell you, that's not the gospel. We have been created to be able to be all about him. And Paul is in jail so much for the prosperity part when he's writing this. The gospel is so much better than that. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much more marvel than that. Have you heard that? Have you heard the gospel? Are you putting yourself in a place where the gospel is proclaimed? If you're here, I hope that's what's happening here on a regular basis. We're challenging one another to be able to live the call, hear the call, hear the call of the biblical truth that God has all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we don't have a big view of sin, we will never have a big view of God's grace. It's not about keying in on the sin, but it's about understanding the big problem of sin so that we can understand the big answer of grace. And it's in the grace that we live and we can be able to as normal everyday people, we can be able to be people that are used by him. There's nothing better than that. I don't care what the career is. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how popular you are. It's all irrelevant because remember Philippians chapter 2, All will fall before Christ one day. 
It's all about that. It's all about, nothing's wrong with those things, but it's all about this. This is the one thing. Hear that and see it that way. Let's not bring it down to nuggets level. Hear the call. Be at a place where you're hearing the call. Secondly, engage in the stand. We've talked about that in chapter one. Uh, uh, The text talks about stand firm. You can't stand firm if you aren't linked side by side with people. Uh, Not frightened. You are frightened when you're alone. You can't stand firm when you're alone. But it's about being linked arm in arm with other believers in Christ doing this together. That's why it's about one mind, all of us on the one thing. Uh, hear the call, engage in the stand. Uh, Third, live in awe of God. If you haven't been here, we were talking about this the last couple weeks. Live in awe of God. From dead to life. From separated to raised to seated, to made alive, a child of God. Does that just rip your guts with joy? Or is it like, give me another chicken McNugget? You see, we live in awe. If we live with a big capital A, awe, it shows. But if we see God about this big, whatever So does the rest of America. Put these three together. Hear the call. Come to Christ. Not only come to Christ, but Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, strengthen and built up in him. That's the point. Be a disciple. It's not a one-time thing. It's a life thing. And when we hear that call and we get that call and we engage in that, as we engage in that, we go, God is awesome. And then as we see God awesome, we come back and we go, I want to hear more about that. And then we hear more about that. And then as we hear more about that, we're engaged with that. And then as we're engaged more with that, we go, God is awesome. And then we come all the way back. I want to hear more about God to be able to grow in him and so that I can be more engaged in him so that I can go, God is awesome. Got it? And repeat and repeat and repeat. Uh, Are you stuck somewhere? Maybe it's that you've heard the call, but you're not hearing the call. Maybe it's the fact that at one point in time you were engaged with the stand with other people, but maybe now you've kind of just been through whatever people have disappointed you. Church has disappointed you. Maybe you're just stuck there. Or maybe, frankly, as you sit and you just go, you know what? I'm not all that awed by God. Hey, listen, where are you at? If one of those are stuck, I want to encourage you. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Okay? If you need to know what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to talk with you about that because it's an awesome thing. And to be engaged with Christ is so much better than the ridiculousness of our world. And being awed by God. Booyah. 
And when we look at this, and the fourth thing is build a history out of that. As we build a history, that's where the trend line is 121. Again and again and again for Christ. Hey, listen, two normal guys lived that. And God used them in great ways. I'm not saying do that and you'll get popular. Who cares? Do that and God is glorified. Do that and you will be living the great commission to make disciples. That's the call. And I want to challenge us today and push us today and kind of tip you today and move you today to the point of it's like, let's really, if you're at a place to where this needs to be getting after it with the rest of us, let's get after it because there's hope because normal people can do this. It's proven in the scriptures and God's a big God. Yeah. Okay. I'm just not trying to crank you up and send you out the door. No, I guess I am. I'm trying to crank you up to be able to see that living for Christ, my friends, there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we're so puny. (laughs) We're just so small. We're just little people here on this amazing planet you've created and you know we could get all about how tiny we are (laughs) but what's so amazing is you want to use us for your glory that's incredible Lord God, this was just kind of a pause day. Uh, 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 let's sit back and, and reevaluate what we've been covering and, and just make sure we, we really are grasping the full meal that we've had in Philippians chapter 1 and 2 so far. And am I really about it? Or am I just about talking about it? God, you love us. You, the second person of the Trinity came in flesh, fully God, came in flesh to live amongst us, to die on the cross, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to pay the price of sin. And you've made the gift of redemption available. Total forgiveness of sin, total bringing back, total making alive, total seated with you, total redeeming so that we can be your child. Oh my word, How wonderful is that? And yet, Lord, we struggle to get it. We just do. And you know that. And your grace is poured out every day. And yet, Lord, we don't want to use that in a wrong kind of a way. Your grace is being poured out so that we can live for Yahweh, for you. So, Lord, I would pray right now here. Would we seek to commit that this week, the rest of today and tomorrow and just this coming week, that we would be a person for those that want to, that would be a 121 person this week. I mean, this week. 
Lord, if that means we need to get some post-it notes and put 121 on it and scatter it all over the place or I see it to remind us of that every day throughout the day that we need to be about that, to live is Christ. I pray we would do that. Not because we have to, but because we get to. May we encourage one another standing firm, side by side, eyes on you, all because of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.